In 2015, Crossway published The Biggest Story, a best-selling children's book written by Kevin DeYoung and illustrated by Don Clark. This month, we're pleased to release The Biggest Story Bible Storybook, a follow-up to that first book featuring 104 individual Bible stories, again written by DeYoung and illustrated by Clark. Today, I'm excited to share a conversation I recently had with Don Clark, an award-winning artist who's worked for organizations including Nike, Apple, Disney, NASA, and many others. We discuss what appealed to him and what scared him about illustrating the stories of the Bible, his approach and intentions with his artwork, both for kids and for adults, and what the artistic process actually looked like over the two years he was working on this project. Let's get started. Well, Don, thank you so much for joining me today on the Crossway Podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm, I'm excited to be here. It's, it's, uh, it's been a long time coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Crossway and you have a, a long history together, and uh, it is fun to have this monumental project kind of now in the, in the bag, so I, to speak. Yeah, I can't believe it. I mean, you know, I just finished last October, and here we are in March. And, uh, you know, when you're working on something this big, you kind of... you. You think about this moment a little bit. You're like, "Well, gosh, there's going to be a time where it's done." I, you know, but it's so far off that yeah. you know you don't you don't give it too much thought. But here we are. Um, I wanted to ask about yeah. that because I would imagine that uh, for someone embarking on a project of this scale, that you illustrated over a hundred Bible stories, and you know these are uh, every page has illustration on it in this big book. Um, I could imagine that would feel pretty monumental and maybe intimidating, overwhelming, especially at the beginning. Uh, how did you get started? I, that's a great question because I think, you know, I was kind of in fear for a long time. I had worked on The Biggest Story, the first book that we put out, I think, in 2016 or 2015. Um, and that was kind of going to, that was going to be like, you know, hey, this is my Bible. You know, I, I've been, you know, tasked with creating um, this work of art and it's going to be out there and I'm excited. Boom. And then. Josh Dennis and I got to talking and it was like, what if we did the entire Bible? What if we started, you know, uh, we really expanded kind of what we had done mm. and we agreed, uh, you know, and how long that would take and things like that. And so once we kind of locked that in, it was green lit, you know, it's like, OK, I, well, I have to start this eventually. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always say that like the best t- as an artist, the very best time of the project is like from you know once you get the project or you've agreed on the project between that time and when you start is the best because in your huh. mind it's like this can be anything this is going to be awesome you know you see it you see it in your mind you think you know and you're optimistic and then you actually have to put pen to paper or pen <laughs> to you know tablet uh and then start and you're you know that's kind of where the challenge begins so i i will say i was i was scared to start because i w- i didn't know exactly I had kind of developed a style for the first book and, you know, a lot of artists don't like to go back to old styles or, you know, revisit and kind of create these yeah. sequels. We're always trying to... Because you were, in, in some cases, revisiting the same stories. Same even. stories. Some, Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, every artist is trying to, you know, progress and get better. And we always kind of like look at our the last thing we did and, you know, the, uh, you know as something that we want to be better at yeah so are you do you tend to be pretty self-critical as you look back 100 percent. yeah no it's so funny like people come to the studio or they come to our house and they're like oh cool did you do that did you i'm like no i didn't do any of this because i don't like any of my stuff hanging up (laughs) (laughs) i'm like these are all like friends and you know other artists that i like yeah um so yeah the the challenge was how do i progress 
in this style and um, not feel beholden to maybe some of the older th- the things that I had done in the other book that I maybe don't like now. Like yeah. you know, um, and I think anyone who's familiar with the original Biggest Story and comparing that to the Biggest Story Bible Storybook, this new one, uh, will probably notice there's some s- subtle stylistic changes and differences. It, f- it does feel like it's a progression cool. in certain respects. Um, Don, you're an award-winning artist. You've worked with some large clients, Pixar, Disney, Lego, Apple, Nike, you know, kind of the who's who of some of the most influential uh, organizations in our culture today. And, uh, and so I wonder, in light of all of that cool stuff you've gotten to do for those kinds of companies, what was it about working on a story Bible for kids how, do, how does that fit into that corpus of work that you've done? Yeah, no, good question. I've been extremely blessed over 20 years to work with some, you know, really cool clients and awesome people. And um, for me, the idea of just creating a, a children's Bible, uh, you know, with a, with a certain limitation on it in terms of style or, you know, hey, we're going to... We're going to, you know, working with a publisher that would be a little bit more overbearing in terms of like, you know, this is what it needs to look like. That didn't interest me. What interested me was working with Crossway and um, you guys just really trusting me. And Mm -hmm. that was that was huge. Um, Creating a Bible, you know, in my mind had always been bucket list material. Mm. But but in my own way. Right. In terms of how I. in terms of the style I want to see. My favorite children's Bibles are all from the 50s and 60s, and I have a ton of them. I collect them. So So what's behind that that desire, that bucket list status of illustrating a children's Bible? Well, I mean, you know, as a Christian, it's like, you know, (laughs) it is the the book that we base our life on, and, Mm. and, you know, um, just, just that. I mean, the fact that you know, I have all these old Christian books, or sorry, these old Bibles in my house that are just beautifully illustrated. And to think that, like, you know, if I ever got the chance to do one now, mm. kind of, you know, in the style that I envision would be extremely special. And partnering with Crossway is just like, you know, double whammy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, I think, like, if you fast forward 20 years from now, people, I think, will hopefully see this project as being something that like okay yeah i love all the invisible creature stuff and the stuff that don did but like you know Mm. the bible's really special we have it in our home it's a it's definitely a legacy type project yeah and i think Um, the illustrations really do complement well um kevin's style of writing and and there's this winsome playfulness and yet uh a seriousness with which he approaches the material and i think your illustrations kind of match that yeah, the my goal was I didn't want it to feel cartoony, fluffy. Um, uh, that's kind of there's a lot of children's Bibles now that kind of everything's m- much more cartoony, and mm. you know it's like these kind of like you know here's these uh, chubby guys with beards, you know, and it's just like it, it, it. What I wanted to do is create something beautiful that that created dialogue between parents and kids, mm. and you know created dialogue just amongst people i you know the best the best uh pieces of art that are um targeted 
towards kids are also targeted towards the parents. It's also something that the that adults, yeah. you know, your favorite movies, your favorite Pixar movies, family movies, those are things that adults love just as much as kids. I think that's, a, that's like a distinguishing yeah. mark of like a Pixar movie, it 100%. seems like, is they, yeah. they do work on multiple levels uh, for younger kids all the way up to adults. And that was my goal. I didn't want to create something that was pandering or felt um, dumbed down or really silly or humorous. Some of Kevin's writings... So, so some of the way that he, um, in which he wrote is funny, and I like how there there is uh, there is some humor in the book, but the art doesn't necessarily the art stands alone. And mm. so, you know, if he says something about like um, he likens something to more of a modern time, you know, ice cream cone or something like that. I don't need to illustrate an ice cream cone or yeah. something like that. I, I want to I want to keep everything in this world um, uh, a hyper stylized you know view of what it was like back then, right? Yeah. But um, and again, just letting if there's any humor, letting the story that he's written um, just handle the humor aspect. And you know, I'm I'm I want to create something that uh, obviously is inspired and you know by what he's written, but kind of tells a broader story. I yeah, guess, yeah, that's great. Yeah. I think it's always fascinating to get a glimpse into uh, someone's craft and their process of doing that craft, especially when it's at a high level. And so I wonder if you could actually walk us through some of your process when it comes to uh, one of the illustrations in the book, one that I really liked and appreciated, I was drawn towards. It actually happens to be the final illustration in the book. And um, I thought maybe I could read Kevin's words and then love to hear you describe that uh, and kind of explain how you came up with that. And uh, one note to the listener, we'll put a link in the show notes where if you want to hit pause and go to that link, you can see a picture of this illustration in case that's helpful for you to, to kind of know what we're talking about here. So uh, Kevin writes on this final, uh, final page of the book, then Jesus had one last message for John and it's one last message for us. Count on it, the snake crusher said. I am coming soon. And so we say, amen, come, Lord Jesus. So I wonder if you could walk us through how you thought about illustrating this. Yeah, so this was, you know, it's any um, illustrator's, you know, dilemma or challenges, like how do you end a book, right? And um, obviously, Kevin has already written this, but from my standpoint, um, you know, how do I interpret this in a, in a uh, let's see, in a, in a meaningful way mm. or a moving way? The entire book that I've created is extremely colorful, yeah. right? And so um, that's kind of a distinguishing feature of right. your style. I'm a maximalist to the <laughs> to the fullest extent. Um, I like to I don't like to leave any um, uh, space on the page untouched. So on this, the last page, I kind of I really focused on um, I am coming soon, you know, and I've already portrayed Jesus in a you know. Uh, so many moments throughout the New Testament, right? And so um, I wanted to, what, what I love about the freedom in this book that I was able to be given from Crossway is that I do kind of juxtapose conceptual um, ideas with more straightforward moments that are actually, you know, in scripture, um, whether it's just Jesus talking to um, someone or, you know, uh, being able to go from page to page and going, okay, like this is much more conceptual. I'd like, you know, this is something I can discuss with my my kid, and then uh, here's something that's more straightforward. Yeah. The nativity scene, you, you see Jesus, yeah. you see Mary and Joseph, they're all there. There's animals around them. Totally, that's pretty straightforward. Exactly. And other pages, other illustrations are are far less kind of straightforward. Yeah, yeah. I 
so this is you know I th- like any of the pages I would I just essentially read it and reread it and reread it as I was working and going you were know, you reading more than just Kevin's words were you also going back to the biblical text itself this so it depends on what it depends on what the art was or what the chapter was T- typically I'd say 90% I'm just I'm focusing on what Kevin has written mm-hmm. because um if you're reading this to a child we don't you don't you don't have scripture usually just sitting there ready to like you know go back to to explain what I've already drawn what I've drawn yeah. so I wanted the kids to or anyone to just sit here and read this book alone and understand what's going on mm-hmm. um there are some kind of like you know um stories in here that I'm trying to think of one in particular that's like you know if you don't know this specific story yeah Nebuchadnezzar and the writing on the wall like you know I knew this story but like I didn't really know it super well and so like you know going back and looking at how this was depicted um Mm. artistically was interesting you know just seeing like a hand you know writing on a wall and the scripture is it's kind of like you know kind of confusing you're kind of like, you know when you read it you're like okay um yeah, what exactly does right this look so like? how am I yeah exactly so how is this gonna look so um taking liberty in in the style um but you know as you're reading this hopefully it's making sense what's happening but mm-hmm. I also don't want to deviate too much from you know obviously what scripture says and obviously and, and how it's been portrayed in the past too I'm trying to do my own kind of give my own take on it yeah but going back to the end of the book um i felt like less was more because i it's i've filled this book (laughs) up with so much art that i wanted to kind of have this be a moment um you know and if christ you know christ says i'm coming soon i wanted um i wanted this hopeful outlook on you know life your future your the afterlife and but also kind of juxtaposed with like our world and kind of some of the, you know, obviously the darkness that um, is in our world, but the light that's kind of coming over uh, that's beyond that we can see that we're hopeful about. I basically, you know, my thought was how do I create hope in the form of a person in Christ? And so I have like a little silhouette of him and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's amazing how, you know, it's for those who haven't looked at the image yet, it's a, it's almost, the entire spread is black and it's the silhouette of the earth. And you kind of see this small then silhouette of Christ um, coming up over the horizon. It's a, it's amazing how it kind of pulls your eye up towards yeah. that corner of the page. Cool. Uh, I, yeah. I'm glad I'm happy with how it came out. Cause I wasn't sure what I was going to do um, for the last spread, but you know, again, Kevin, that's the beauty is I think every artist needs some sort of box. Um, I think if you just go, you know, if you say, if you're given like, hey, just do whatever you want and there's nothing written down or, you know, that's specifically for me, that's tough. I think a lot of artists want some sort of like, whether that's, you know, color scheme or in this case, a par- a small, a short paragraph from Kevin was kind of all I needed to yeah. just like, you know, jump so in. So on that point, you, were you always creating the art after you had read Kevin's words? It always kind of happened with you know, Kevin first and then you? <clears throat> yeah, totally. So I would get Kevin's um, stuff. The K- Crossway would paginate everything for me. So I had the pages um, and I would, like, for instance, if it's like 
you know, Jonah or Daniel in the lion's den, like I, I already knew like there was going to be a spread for those, like, you know, regardless kind of of what he had written, that was going to be in there. Um, and then some of the more abstract or uh, lesser known stories, um, definitely going off of what he's written. Mm. Um, but yeah, it all came down to what he had written and you know, yeah. making sure that it all made sense. Was there a particular illustration or even maybe section of scripture that was especially hard for you to kind of illustrate that you you found yourself stuck for some reason or going back and making changes repeatedly? I was making changes all the time. <laughs> it's like I've told this story a handful of times, but you know, the book I felt like was getting better as I was working on it because again, ask any artist, the more that they're working on something, the better it's getting. And so, you know, I worked on this straight for a year and a half and, you know, more like two years, but definitely like focused on it for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you go back and you're like, that does not look nearly as good as it should or nearly as good as what I'm working on right now at the end of this book. So I would go back constantly. And actually, when I was finished with the New Testament, I went back and redid a ton of the Old Testament. And so that way, <laughs> in my mind now, when I look through this, it feels cohesive. It feels like it's all part of one thing. You know, from in the reader's point of view, they're not going to notice these little things. But I, but I do, yeah. and, it, and it feels much more. When you had finished the New Testament and you, you felt that, like, oh, I wonder if I should go back, was that a sense of like, yes, I'm excited. I get to go back and fix some stuff. Or yeah. was it more of a dread like i i need to do this i wish i didn't have to um no i look at every project specifically this one as like it's joy but it's also a need like i have to do this but i'm grateful that i get to you know like there was so much in the creation story that i just like i really wanted to get conceptual and like hyper colorful and there's just when i think of like god's creation and like those you know those moments where he's creating things like just you know, split second, you know, mm. beauty of like creating animals and the earth and man. And like, what, what would that look like in this world? That stuff was fun to go back into because I wasn't pleased with how it was looking, you know, um, <laughs> once I got to the New Testament, I was like, oh, that could be a lot better. So how do you think about that? Uh, the distinction between the art trying to communicate sort of a, a, um, a, rational message or a truth about something that happened versus uh, the art uh, also trying to convey maybe emotion right. or a sense of things. Uh, how did you think about that interplay between uh, those two things? I thought about that on every page, really. You know, how can I um, create some sense of emotion with the story that is going to draw in the, the reader or the listener, you know? Um, and again, it was just about how can I make this the most beautiful thing that I can do on this page? You know, like, mm. a, again, I wanted, I want folks to get lost in the art. I want it, I want it to look how, I want it to look like how I thought it should look and needed to look. Um, it's just, it's, it's just one of those things where I wanted to see this thing in mm. the world. And so I was like, well, I'm going to, I guess I'm going to do it. You know, yeah. like I, so whatever it took, if it if it took like you know, Jesus feeding the five thousand, I'm like, I'm gonna need to draw a lot of people, and <laughs> it you know I worked like for four days straight on just that one page. Typically, I would spend a full day on a page, and so I would give myself, you know, eight to ten hours per page, and then I knew that there's gonna be some that were gonna take 
of longer. longer. That yeah. was one of them where you know, I'm illustrating, I don't know, 80 people or something. So, How would you describe the style of the art in the book? I think for uh, someone like me, I appreciate art. I appreciate beauty there, but I'm not super familiar with um, uh, with how uh, the right terms for some of these things. Sure. I, and terms are weird, too. I kind of hate them. Like, you know, one of the, my least favorite words on the planet is retro because <laughs> like, I'm, I'm never trying to create something that looks like it was, you know, like I'm trying to ape a style or yeah. something. Um, so I'm inspired, mo you know, my love language when it comes to art is the mid-century, right? And so that's just this term that gets thrown around a lot, but it's basically the optimism of, you know, post-war America, mm, right? 50s, 60s. Yeah. You know, we were going to have, you know, jetpacks and we're going to be we have cars that look like spaceships and um we were very optimistic and um you know everything was bright and beautiful and like the world's fair and like all, so that that is the world that i love and i you know I, i've said this before i know that that time that era was not perfect and it wasn't all like that however the aspiration to be that way and kind of a more united um, viewpoint on the future, more optimistic, mm. um, was something that I love. So I kind of surround myself with that stuff because I think that's that feels beautiful. like that's not really in vogue these days. Uh, <laughs> even in the last, the last you know, couple decades, even there's a there's a an interest in dystopianism right. and kind of a cynicism about 100%. the future. Is that something that you've kind of yeah, wrestled with at all? Or? Yeah, I mean, this is you know, in other projects that I'm working on, you know. That, that is something we talk about a lot. I, I do a lot of commercial work for, um, you know, clients that are in the in that space, you know, in the tech space or trying to create, you know, beautiful things that are going to enhance our life here, right? And But, you know, juxtaposing that with kind of like how the future is portrayed in film, right? It's, it's like, we, you know, we don't want Blade Runner. We want to go see Blade Runner in the theaters, but we don't want that. No. And so the idea is how can we... Um, you know, I like the idea of seeing um, the future as like a exciting thing. Um, and as a Christian, that, that even goes into it. You know, that's a whole other lane. But like the that's my favorite stuff. And I, I don't I don't you know, I'm drawn to optimistic art, I mm. guess. So in answering your question, like the style, I, I heavily influenced by that era. Um, what was kind of cool about this project is it kind of took a life of its own. And I. I kind of developed and created this world that I didn't really plan on. and So you, it's not like you had the exact style kind of in your mind beforehand. It kind of developed over time or organically? Well, the biggest story, the first one um, from now, it's like seven years. I can't believe it. But that that obviously set the template for kind of like yep. how this would It's in that look. same family. Yeah. So kind of a lot of my um, figuring out how this is going to look happened already. However, again... I wanted to progress and make this way better than that book and just a true like uh sequel is not the right word but just like a true next um edition of mm. what that could look like so um yeah in many ways i had already set the stage years ago but then coming back to this it was like okay i really need to you know step up step it up basically. yeah 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 uh so illustration is part of your family history uh, you and your brother ryan founded your studio, Invisible Creature, together uh, a number of years back. And, and going back even further, your grandfather worked for nearly three decades as an illustrator for NASA uh, in the, the 50s and 60s. So I, I do wonder if you could um, reflect on that. What was it about maybe your grandfather's legacy? How does that loom in your mind as yeah. an illustrator today? It's huge because he was kind of 
proof positive that you could actually make a living in the arts. Mm. And it wasn't, you know, he wasn't like a fine artist doing gallery events. He was a blue collar, punched a clock, commercial illustrator for NASA. And, you know, he was the only guy that we knew that was doing that. Our, all of our friends' dads and grandpas, and, you know, they were all more, you know, blue collar, worked at the mill, what, you know, doctors. Like this, you know, this was something that was like, oh, it's actually kind of attainable to actually make a living doing art. And that kind of, from an early age, that was kind of in, ingrained mm. in us. Um, what kind of illustrations was he doing for NASA? So he was multidisciplinary, meaning he could draw in many different styles. So he would do like schematics for, you know, rockets and, and all kinds of different... Like uh, technical schematics? Technical schematics, but then he would also do paintings of like futuristic, like what would NASA look like in the future? Mm beautiful i have a ton of it and there's um there's a bunch on our there's some stuff on our site and then i have like a blog post years ago you could probably dig it up that has a bunch of his stuff but anyways he would and then he would do like more cartoony humorous stuff uh and do like editorial pieces as freelance like you know political cartoons and stuff like that for like the local paper and stuff so he was um all over the place stylistically, but yeah, definitely, like, if you see his stuff, it is definitely fits into that kind of, like, 50s, 60s vibe. Um, he he passed in 96, I think, and then his wife, my grandmother, um, gosh, she passed away uh, maybe eight years ago. I'm going to get this wrong. But anyways, a, a gentleman came to the, to the service and they were longtime family friends and he was he's a professor at a at a school where my grandfather had done a bunch of illustrations for and i was talking to him after the service and he's like you know we actually have not updated any of our stuff from when your grandfather did it because it's that good wow and we can't we just don't want to change it you know um i thought that was super cool that like you know decades later like they they wanted to still keep the same art um because they felt like it was sufficient so yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Are there any um, any things that your grandfather did that you look at and you're just kind of in awe of, or you, you feel like, man, I I I would love to take my hand, uh, take a stab at that kind of a thing at some point. I look at his stuff and I'm like, I could never even get close to how good he was. He had a um, the way that he was able to draw like humans is drawing people is extremely difficult, mm. uh, as evidenced by how stylized they are in the biggest story. Uh, I was <laughs> I was able to simplify uh, quite a bit, but. You know, he would actually draw a human. So hands, as an illustrator, hands are hard to draw. So it's like horses, bicycles, and hands. <laughs> what is it about them? That, you know, for the well, the, the bi- like bicycles and horses. Actually, uh, it, for that matter, we know exactly what that looks like in our mind. We're like, oh, it's a horse. We know exactly. But then you go try to draw a horse, and you're like, that doesn't look like a horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same with a bicycle, right? Everything has to be in its right place. You, you, your legs, uh, your feet. But then you've got this, you know, this piece of metal that all has to so. It's funny when whenever you go to draw a bike, you're like, oh, I have to erase the leg because like actually the pedal's right there and then the bike. <laughs> so um, he would draw hands beautifully and um, and people. And he just, everything looks so elegant and kind of effortless. Whereas I feel like my stuff is just more like, gosh, this guy suffered through this art. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's more painstakingly, you know, difficult. Yeah. Um, because I, you know, a lot of times I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. But he, he was just a, a pro, basically, mm. you know. It was interesting to hear uh, that your, 
you have your own kind of story of working with NASA and doing some work for them that actually is, is kind of disconnected, at least initially, yeah. from your, your grandfather. Can yeah, you share it's that? crazy. Yeah, a buddy of mine works at JPL um, in Southern California, and they were doing a series of prints for uh, what was called Visions of the Future. Is this different 12 different posters that was kind of like a calendar that you can actually download for free uh, on their site. Um, and he's like, to listener, here's your chance to get some. Yeah, Clark yeah, art yeah. Just type in free. JPL Visions of the Future. You'll be able to find high res PDFs. But um, the the idea was, um, hey, do you want to do three posters? And I'm like, you're asking me to do three posters for NASA. I mean, like, <laughs> do you know how big this is for us? You know, he's like, oh, no, I didn't. I mean, I I didn't even think about it. And I'm like, dude, I'm not, you know, my grandfather was an illustrator there. This is like, you know, really special. Uh, dream come true. Dream come true. I mean, the. Whether it's subconscious or not, when when you see that NASA logo, you kind of you kind of get excited because it just it, it brings up so much again optimism, right? This mm. is like a monumental time in the '60s and kind of what we've done since then. So, um, yeah, I, we were able to do three posters and long story that I'm not going to get into now, but they kind of went viral and it was like I think if you don't if people don't know who we are, which most people don't, they a lot of people have seen that poster and I think that. What happens is a lot. This happens a lot. Like, oh yeah, I've seen your NASA poster. Cool. So then they kind of equate us with that, those posters, which yeah. is fine. It's great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's obviously that's definitely kind of like the most popular thing we've done. Probably. Yeah. yeah. What a cool connection though, yeah, with your grandfather cool. too. Is there a style of illustration that you would like to try your hand at? It's very different than what you currently do, and that you just are kind of uh, maybe don't feel like you have the courage to try, or you want to try but you need to find the time. I think since I've been doing this over 20 years, like I've, I've figured out what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And so, you know, I love typography. I love lettering, but I'm, I'm just not good at it. Right. So there's just people out there that are just better and that's what they do. Um, so that and, said, you do some pretty interesting drop caps for the yeah, story. Totally. But you know, I'm basing that off of a pre-existing typeface. Right. Mm. So like I see some of my friends are just amazing letters. Right. Like, um, and it's, it's a work of art, right? When they're creating even a font, you know, and, and that's that, the kind of thing that many of us uh, don't probably notice. We don't realize exactly. you kind of take it for the granted. work you, that goes into that. I mean, subconsciously, you know, you're kind of like if you don't know what a font is or whatever, you're still you still know what's beautiful and what's not. Mm -hmm. You know, if I showed you like papyrus versus you know something else, Caslon or something, you would go, oh, well, the papyrus one looks worse. You know, so but <laughs> but the all the papyrus fans yeah, out there, yeah, are sorry, like, I don't yeah, like this. Yeah, yeah, Avatar fans, sorry. Um, the I think I'm always trying to progress. I'm always trying to push and do something better than the last thing, but I do know my sandbox, you know? So, mm. um, there are aspects of art that I want to, I would love to dive into and kind of, um, tinker around with, but it still fits, I think in, in the sandbox that, yeah. you know, that I'm in. So. Can you describe the, the tools that you use to, so you, know, you mentioned earlier that you use a, a kind of a tablet and mm -hmm. a stylus type thing, uh, elaborate on kind of what that spectrum of tools that you are. Yeah. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm sad to say that I'm a hundred percent digital now. So I, I don't even, I mean, I've got paper and pencils at the studio, but I, I don't use them. Uh, I, I use, um, uh, a Wacom Cintiq to paint so any any kind of for the designers out there like any raster imagery that I'm creating I'm, I'm using uh, the Cintiq so I'm basically painting on a screen and the way that brushes are now digitally are 
amazing. You, so you're using a single stylus that then you can kind of switch out the brushes, the digital brushes. Totally. Yeah. I'm just, li I'm literally, so the biggest story I only used, um, like three brushes on the entire wow. book. And, um, so I'm just going back and forth, changing stuff. Obviously, you know, Photoshop and the, the world we live in now, it's just extremely easy to change colors and go back. And, um, you know, back in my grandfather's day, he would create a painting and then present the actual painting to the client. Yeah. And then the client would go, well, I don't really, can we change this and change this? And then he'd go back and make a new painting. A whole right? new painting. It's like we live in like amazing times in terms of commercial art, you know. So, so, I mean, I, I'd imagine the, the planning then that they must have had to do oh, yeah. ahead of time. Oh, yeah, like sketches. sketches and. That's a funny that's funny that you bring that up because my sketches are terrible. And I'm always, every time we start working with a new client, I actually send them a folder of sketches to final. So that, you know, NASA's in there and some other bigger projects. Like examples from the past. Examples of oh. stuff that we've done that go, hey, you're going to see my sketch and it's going to be really rough. It's going to just kind of show compositionally what I'm thinking. Um, but when I get in there and work on final art, it's really going to start to look polished. And I might have a better idea and kind of things might move a little bit. The sketch is just to show you kind of where I'm leaning. Mm. And so I have a folder kind of like it's called like new client process or something. And I send that to them. So they're not there's no shock, you know, because that's <laughs> happened before where I've developed a sketch and then they get the final and they're like this. I thought it was going to be black and white or whatever. <laughs> and, it's, and it's not, you know, it's like um, so anyways, I. I really try to alleviate any kind of, you know, questions when it comes to. Yeah. Because my sketches can be real kind of cartoon, more cartoony than my final work. It's just kind of how I, what I love about Photoshop and Illustrator is I like working what's, what's kind of helped hone my style is actually the constraints in which the programs work. Right. So like, you know, vector and kind of like using it, vector art with Illustrator and using those tools, you're, you're able to kind of, you know, develop a style based in, illustrator right so you're kind of that that's your wheelhouse so then when you take it out of illustrator and you're just drawing it it does have a different feel yeah you, um, you've said that a couple times that yeah. that these constraints that the box the limit that you're put in can actually be really helpful for creating beautiful 100%. Art. i need something Un yeah. unpack i've heard other artists say things like that that you know limits are kind of the fertile ground for creativity something like that uh, unpack that for us well like the we did album art for years. We still do some, but for five years straight, we were just uh, doing album packaging. And the most daunting, nerve-wracking projects that would come in would be a self-titled album with no art direction. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> whatever you want. Yeah, so there's no title to the album. See, the the non-artist non in me would be like, oh, that sounds That's great. Right. You can kind of make canvas. up whatever you want to do. No, because the problem is a lot of musicians and clients don't know what they want until they see it, right? So then they're like, well, no, we don't like that. Mm. So, so I like, I love working with great art directors and great, so... Art directors that have great ideas, but also give you, that also trust you. Crossway is a perfect example of that. I have other clients that are like that. Target, um, Warby Parker. There's other clients that are like, here's kind of what we're thinking. Um, you know, we want to, like Warby Parker, for instance. We, we want to create a mural for one of our stores. Um, we just, we want to feature books and glasses. And that's enough for me. I'm mm. like, awesome. So then I pitch three ideas based on what I think would look cool, um, which, you know, they're obviously coming to us for a reason. So I, there's trust already. So then I'm, I'm tasked with creating three ideas that I like that could work. And then we go from there. And so, um, I came up with like an idea for Warby Parker and specific, specifically, I came up with an idea of like, 
these creatures, monsters, um, with glasses that were like into books, you know. <laughs> holding, so and like I didn't know if it would fly. I had other two two other ideas that I liked that didn't feature characters, and they loved the monster one. And it's um, yeah, it's in Cap- Capitol Hill, Seattle. Um, see, you know, still there. I, it's a great project, but that's that's kind of like a, an example of like okay, they gave us just enough, mm. but also trusted us to do our thing, and that's that's the beauty. That's the beauty. What happens too that is not great is kind of like someone who doesn't know who we are but has but hires us you know that happens a lot where it's like um you know someone told us told them about us and they're like oh, i love your Maybe stuff they've seen one piece they've of seen yours. one piece and then there's this famous story of like picasso with like he's at a coffee shop and he's with a friend talking and he's like sketching on a napkin and there's they they start to leave and he like wads it up and puts it in his pocket and this woman comes over and says can i have the napkin you're gonna just throw it away he's like yeah twenty thousand dollars and she's like what it's just a napkin and the idea is like no it's not it's actually it's all of what picasso has you know Mm. it's so i bring that up to say like you're also when you hire someone that's been doing this for a long time if you you know you're also getting that wisdom of the the of 20 years of what we've been doing and kind of going, okay, I'm bringing in this group of people that kind of know what they're doing. I didn't know what I was doing 20 years ago, but at this point I've got a better hand on mm-hmm. certain things. So it's like, I'm hoping that you kind of walk along the process with us and you know, we have some kind of cool ideas. And so it, it's hard that if there isn't that trust, it's like, no, I could just find another artist to do what I want. You know, it's yeah. like, well, okay. That's part of what that's you're, part you're of offering. What we do. Yeah. yeah. So, um, huh. Yeah, so that's great. So, Don, maybe as a last question, uh, you're a parent. You and your wife have three kids, uh, and so you know what it's like to parent kids and the, the challenges that come with that, the joys that come with that, and, and the responsibility that we have as Christian parents to uh, teach our kids uh, who God is, mm-hmm. teach them about His love for them, and um, what it means to love Him in return. And so, I wonder if you could speak to the parents listening right now with that. That is that that's this overriding focus that we have as parents mm-hmm. in our lives. Uh, what is your hope for this book in particular, and how it impacts um, the lives of parents and and, f- and the f- lives of families as they read it together? That's awesome. I you know I really I really hope that families enjoy this. And I was talking uh, probably to you about this yesterday, but I I want people to uh, you know kids and adults alike to my biggest takeaway is obviously that they see the truths of the Bible and that they see how much love and passion that I put into the art and how this is real to me. This is the most important thing to me. And I'm, I'm really giving everything I can to make this, these pages as beautiful as possible when it comes to, you know, having kids and being a parent, uh, Christian parents specifically, it's, you know, it's a it's a daunting task, right? Because mm-hmm. you can do everything, quote unquote, right as a parent that you think is like the way to go. And maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe mm-hmm. your kids stray or, or things happen and you just pray that you just all you can do is pray that, that you know, that things are going to work out. And so, you know, my wife and I have tried to just lead by example and um, surround them with what we believe the truth is. And there's mm-hmm. no other way. We can't teach them any other way. And, mm-hmm. and the idea is that we need to teach them 
in a way that they make it their own and not just their thing, this thing that their parents believe, but also like ask the hard question. They need to ask the hard questions and we need to go through it together. And if I don't have an answer, we're going to pray about it. We're going to look, look to other people who might have questions and, and things like that. And just be really transparent with our mm -hmm. kids in terms of, um, I don't have all the answers. Christ has all the answers. I can't save you as your dad. I can't save you. And as your, your mom can't save you. Mm. Um, we're, we can do everything in our power to protect you and to raise you right. But there's only one person that can save you. Mm. Um, and what's happened is my, it's just amazing to see my kids like generally get like, uh, you know, love the Lord and are, you know, studying the Bible on their own. And it's just stuff that like my wife and I are like, I can't, we, I mean, I can't believe it, you know, like, I wasn't that kid. Mm. <laughs> My daughter is 17 and, you know, I'll walk by going to get some coffee or something. She's got the Bible open on her own doing like, yeah. you know, taking notes. I'm like, like nothing better than seeing that. Yeah, I'm like, I, I can't believe it. I'm just so proud of her. And you know, my son the same way, all my kids. So, but again, like there, it, there was never this like, um, it's because mom and dad tell you to like, don't, mm -hmm. you know, this is what we're doing. You just go, you know, we're going to go to church. We're going to do this. There was, there's never been that. It's like, this is what we get to do. Um, this is, this is the truth. And we love you more than anything. And because of that, we're going to teach you the truth. Yeah. Right. So, um, and I love, interesting. Uh, you mentioned questions to the value of asking those hard questions. And that's something I, I do love about the book and about Kevin's words and even the illustrations of the art. It, it prompts, I think it's going to prompt so many questions and good conversations. You know, this book feels like it's only that starting point mm -hmm. for parents and kids to talk about these stories in the Bible, talk about what God has done for us. But it's this, it's this great first step that kind of gets those conversations. Totally. Rolling. Yeah. I mean, some, I mean, this, this might be the first Bible that a lot of kids, you know, hear about, hear being read to them or even reading, um, and so, yeah, I didn't take that for granted either. You know, mm. I wanted to, I wanted to make sure that every page was, um, you know, true to what is in Scripture in in a way that, um, but in a hyper stylized, artistic way that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Don, thank you so much for taking the time today to talk with us a little bit about your process and about this project. Uh, we appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. It's been a blast. I, you know, I'm so thankful uh, to be here. That was award-winning artist Don Clark on illustrating the biggest story Bible storybook from Crossway. Pick up your copy of the book for 30% off directly from Crossway by visiting crossway.org plus. That's crossway.org plus. For more interviews like this, subscribe to the Crossway podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review, which helps to spread the word about the show. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's Word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.